it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode 681 for April 17th, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts, back with Programming by Stealth, episode 114. Yikes, that's a lot. And we're still nowhere near done. How is it possible? I was working on cleaning out some storage on our uh, Synology, and I was going through. I've been. I save every bit of raw everything that goes into every podcast, which means I've got your stereo of you and me. I've got my stereo of you and me, and then I put them together into Hindenburg, where it's my stereo of me, your or my mono of me, your mono of you. Which means I have both of us three times now, and then I export it as an M4A, which has it again, and then I make it into an MP3. So I've seven versions and it's ridiculous and so i was going back cleaning it out and it was just so adorable seeing episode numbers like 38 you know as i was going through cleaning it up like oh wasn't that cute and we thought we went on for ages on taming the trauma we got what we had 41 or something 41 yeah yeah we're at 114 i am still having fun i hope you're not tired yet i'm i'm loving this no i'm just trying to decide so many things we could do so so many possibilities so little time yeah no definitely no danger running out here definitely no danger yay all right let's begin okay so um oh i forgot to rename this episode um the name you're seeing in the show notes won't be the name the users see that's the name of next week's episode i got very clever and i'll have to get clever again but anyway we're continuing to talk about git with remotes So we met the concept of remotes in the abstract two installments ago, and I made you do that thing where I tell you lots of stuff and you're not allowed to do anything and you're in your barn sitting on your pretend horse and just not going anywhere. And then last week I let you out of the barn um, and we we created a remote. Uh, We had a very simple scenario. We had a a pretend remote drive sitting on an imaginary NAS that we used as a backup repository, and we made some changes, and then we pushed those changes up to our second repository, up to our remote. And we created a relationship between the two repositories. So the working repository had a relationship to the backup repository. But we didn't go any deeper than that. So when we went to do a push we had to actually really explicitly say, I want to take this local branch and I want to put it over to that remote branch over there. And then the next time we went to do something, we had to do exactly the same thing. We want to take this local thing and put it on that remote thing. Well, shouldn't Git be able to remember that for us? Should we really have to waste our time remembering these things? And of course, the answer is no, we shouldn't. So really, today is entirely built around the concept of tracking branches is what Git calls them in their lingo. So a tracking branch is a relationship you define between a local branch and a remote branch. And you say that the local branch tracks the remote. Okay. Or you could say it the other way around. It's a, you know, I guess which way around you choose to say that is your choice. It's, it's a tracking relationship. That seems like a and fundamental piece of what, why Git is valuable. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Because it, it is what enables Git workflows to be not immensely stressful permanently. (laughs) So what we're moving towards, and it's going to take us two installments. I didn't initially try to do it as one installment, and I realized about noon today that was a terrible idea because we'd be here till three in the morning. (laughs) Um, So the show notes for PBS 115 are already half written, um, Ah. which is nice, Uh, which is why there's a second branch for those... You know, pulling back the curtain a moment, we use Git to manage our installments about Git, which is wonderfully meta. <laughs> um, 
And there is already a branch in there called PBS 115 WIP, where I've already started next week's show notes. But anyway, oh. so we're moving towards taking our scenario of having two repositories. So the one we work in and the backup repository on the NAS, and we're expanding our scenario a bit. So I think we say we described it as the lone developer scenario, where we had a lone developer who was working on one computer and backing up to another. Well, we're going to continue the idea of a lone developer for now. We'll we'll get on to collaborating with others shortly. But for now, we're going to just be among ourselves. But we're going to add in a more realistic scenario because who among us who is nerdy enough to program owns one computer? <laughs> How realistic is that? Right, right. So we're going to add a third machine into the mix, which is our pretend laptop. And so instead of calling the repository on the NAS a backup, we're going to start to consider it our primary copy of the repository. It's still going to be a bare repository. And the idea is it's going to be the master copy, if you want to think of it that way, the, the primary, the the one we consider authoritative, not because it's different, but because we choose to consider it that way, right? All organization in Git is just us deciding. It's not technological. Technologically speaking, right. a repository is a repository is a repository, as I keep saying. And in this case, if I remember correctly, a bare repository has no working directory? Is bing, that bing, it? Bing. Oh, goody. That's it. I Perfect. remembered something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because we're never going to work in it, right? We're going to work on our desktop or our laptop, and we're going to use the NAS repository, as we can euphemistically call it, as an intermediary between us. Okay. And it will All serve right. the function of being a backup, right? Because we imagine that our NAS is being backed up to Backblaze or something. Right. And so and remember, uh, this this imaginary second computer could be an iPad like the way Jill works. Indeed it could, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the iPad Pro really is becoming like a touchy laptop. Yeah, yeah. So to get us to the point of being able to work with two computers, we absolutely positively have to understand tracking branches or we will drive ourselves insane. Okay. So... Next week, we're going to look at the workflow of what happens if you get up from one and move to the other, and then you move back, and then you move over, and then you move back. How that workflow actually works, because Git will take care of it for us and stop us destroying our work. But before we can get to actually doing that, we need to lay some foundation, which is this understanding of tracking. And so today, we're going to build up to the point where we create our laptop repository, and we get it to have all of our code in it and we're just about ready to start working on our second computer and then I'm going to say and now we'll talk to you next week oh. <laughs> except it'll so be it'll two be, weeks oh Bart you're killing except me it'll be two weeks yeah but no it, it, what we're doing today is absolutely vital this is this is the rubber is seriously meeting the road here today this this is one of those episodes that installments that is very important okay so you will find a zip file the repository file pbs114.zip if you extract it into a random folder and then pop open a terminal, you're ready to go. So in there, as usual, you'll find pbs114a.bundle, which is a backup of our repository as it was last time, with a new commit added to change all the version numbers or the installment numbers from 113 to 114. And you'll also find a script in there called pbs114-init.sh. Mm. So the same okay. idea as we did last time where we're using the init script to save us doing a lot of typing. So in this case, last time around, we had a pretend desktop 
and a pretend NAS machine. And I think we called the NAS back the NAS repository a backup. Well, now we're calling the NAS ones. Basically, I've renamed things. So I'm calling the repository we're going to do our work in PBS114A-Desktop. And I'm going to call the other one PBS114A-NAS. Okay. That seems like as good a name as any. Which one, which one are we sitting at ourselves right now? Are we at the desktop? The desktop, the desktop okay. is, yeah, the desktop is the working repository. So okay. the script, what it does under the hood is it creates a folder named PBS114A Desktop, changes into that folder, initializes it, initializes it as a Git repo. If needed, changes master to main, depending on the version of Git we have installed. It then sucks in all the branches and all the tags from the bundle file. Then it changes back up a level to be back in the top level folder. It then makes a new folder named pbs114a-nas.git. It initializes that as a bare git repo. Then we go back into our desktop folder and uh, we add our new pbs114a-nas.git as a remote. And this time we're going to follow convention and we're going to name our remote origin because that is the normal thing to do in Git. We named it backup last time, but we're not doing that this time. We're naming it origin. Okay, let me stop you for just a second. So when you created the uh, desktop uh, folder, it's just called mm-hmm. pbs114a-desktop, but when you created the NAS one, you called it .git. Why is that? Correct, because the naming convention is bare repositories end in .git. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did tell us that. Okay. All right. The one downside to this uh, uh, script doing all the heavy lifting for us is we don't get any practice doing the doing the steps. It's all magic now, but uh, but it does. There's a reason for that. These steps are not real world steps. These steps are really convoluted because I am avoiding telling you the right way to do this because (laughs) we haven't learned it yet. Okay, it is actually in fact. All of this could be replaced by a simple clone, which is the command we're going to learn just before we finish today. So basically, at the end of the day, we're going to learn why we don't do it this way. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But it's important we do it this way so that we can actually see what's going on, because Git clone is really clever, and it's doing loads of things automatically. And when I'm trying to teach something, the last thing I want is loads of things happening automatically, because that's not helpful. Okay, but this is because it's like, I don't, you're not going to need to do this. You're not going to need to do this. Okay. So we change back into our desktop repo and we do a git fetch just to make sure we're fully up to date. Um, then we're going to push all of our content up to origin, right? So we've, we're going to say push all the branches to origin, push all the tags to origin. Then we're going to do something we really, really, really are only going to have to do once ever, which is why it's in the script and I'm not even really showing you the command. We go into our bare repository and we force it by hook or by crook to have a default branch of main. Because <laughs> okay. gosh darn it, it was quite determined to stay at master on my version of Git. Uh, so we, there's some dirty Git hackery in there to make this all work. Not real world. I just have to add that last line in. So Good. if you're curious, you can open up the script and have a look at the hackery. It involves manually writing references. You don't want to do that. Yikes. Anyway, at this stage, our terminal should have should be in a folder that now contains the two files it started with and uh well, yes, yeah, so the, the bundle file and the zip file. It also contains two other folders we'll talk about later. But the main thing is that it's now newly created um our two repositories, our do, our desktop and our um NAS.git. Right. 
and we are in the desktop. I think. Yes. So, or we will be in a moment. Whether No, no, we, I'll tell you the CD into it in just a moment. Okay, so before we go any further, we need to do a little bit of housekeeping because last time I named the remote Backup. And this time I named the remote Origin. And when I made the bundle, I told it to back up absolutely everything into the bundle. So when I restored from the bundle, I restored absolutely everything from the bundle, including a now completely orphaned branch, a completely orphaned cache of a remote branch on a non-existent remote <laughs> called Backup. Okay. So we just need to force delete that, right? Now, if you change into PBS1048-desktop, so CD into that, and do a git space remote to list all the remotes, you'll see that the only remote that exists is origin. Right. But if you do a git space branch space minus or to list all the remotes it has cached, it has two cached branches, backup slash main and origin slash main. That okay. backup slash main is an, is an orphan that it can never be any use to us and is just wasting disk space. So uh, we're going to do a remote delete on that. So it's git space branch space minus D for delete or for remote space backup slash main. And that's just going to delete that cached remote. Okay. All right. So that's that something we probably us... won't need to know how to do again. Not often. Not unless you change... You used to have a remote with some third-party vendor and then you get rid of them and you end up with some detritus left over. This is what you would have to do to force it out. Oh, okay. Okay, so now we're ready to actually start tracking our branches. So up until now, every time we've done a git push, we have told it what to push where. Git push this to that. Git push this to that. Well, the first of this from now on is going to be our current branch, right? Wherever we are now, wherever we have checked out, that's what I want to push. And the where, we're going to basically tell Git this branch maps to that one over there, which means that the entire sum total of the command is going to become Git push. Okay. And Git will know this to there without us having to tell it. So... There are actually a couple of different ways in which this kind of a tracking relationship can come into being. So the three scenarios are, you could have a situation where you have a local, you, all of your local branches already exist, and all of your remote branches already exist, and you just want to establish a relationship between two branches that already exist. That's scenario number one. So you're not making anything new. You're just saying, connect these two together from now on. Scenario number two is that you have been doing some work locally and you've made a new branch. Maybe you're adding a new feature, so you've added a new dev branch. And you now want to put that branch onto the remote and keep it as a relationship going forward. So there's nothing to, to, there's nothing to um, link it to, nothing to track it to yet. Yeah, exactly. So what you want to do is in one step, publish it and track it. So I want to say, I have this thing and I want to publish it over there and remember that it's connected to me. Okay. So publish and track as one atomic publish track. And then there's the inverse of that, right? So you're collaborating with someone else or you're working on two computers 
and other you or other person has started some work, say maybe your co-host on the podcast has started a branch called PBS 114 WIP on his computer, and he has published, as in scenario two, up to GitHub, and you are sitting at your computer about to record a podcast, well, you now have to take that down to your computer. You don't have a local copy yet, but when you're finished, you want to have a local copy and you want to remember the relationship of where it came from. Right. So that's the third scenario. So you create a new a new local branch from a pre-existing remote. So they either both exist, it exists locally but not yet remotely, or it exists remotely but not yet locally. Do I remember correctly that uh, if if you created PBS one one four WIP and you pushed it to the to the uh, master, sorry, dang it, to main primary primary yeah. to the primary right 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 sorry yeah to the primary and then i when i get it if i get that branch tracked you would be origin the primary would not be no. origin you would be no the no no primary uh, would be origin yes your relationship okay. is with the place you you grab it from okay because you said and you'd know where it came from but where it came from would be primary correct okay Right, because yeah, there could be 40 people on our team and you don't need to know that Sally wrote that one or Joe did this one. Correct, okay. exactly. That's the job of the, the centralized authoritative copy, for want of a better term, is everyone sees that as the remote. Got it. And the origin. Which, by, def- by convention, we call the main one over there, we call it origin. That's, okay. that's the naming convention. Okay, got it. All right. But I asked. Yeah. So we okay. all agree on who Origin is, but we have no need to know about who everyone else is because everyone is writing to Origin and everyone is reading from Origin. So in the end, everyone is communicating. Got it. Okay. Right. So the first two scenarios we're going to do today, and the third scenario is a problem for next time when we have our pretend laptop up and running. Okay. So we're going to start with the first scenario because that's actually where we are, right? Right now, as things stand, we have a local repository which contains one branch called main and we have one remote which we're calling origin which contains one branch called main. And right now, there is no relationship between main and main. Hmm. We, we need to establish a relationship between those two branches that both exist. So the... Full syntax for the command is git space branch space minus minus set minus upstream minus two equals name of remote forward slash remote branch. So for us, name of remote would be origin and the remote branch would be main. So for us, it would be git branch minus minus setup set minus upstream minus two equals origin slash main. But Okay. That's a lot of typing. So thankfully, the good people at Git, there's a shortcut for minus minus set minus upstream minus two. It's just minus U for okay. upstream. And it gets rid of the equals so Git, also. It does indeed, because you're now down to a single letter flag. So it's Git space branch ah. space minus U space remote slash remote branch. So now, the very, very... It's, let me just make sure I know where we're starting from is this desktop version of this code is was not cloned from the NAS. I went out of my way with a 14-line shell script not to clone, yeah. Okay, got you. All right. So they the two repositories contain the same information, 
and they contain the same branches, but there is no relationship established between them yet. So there are no tracking branches. So this is a fairly artificial situation, isn't it? It's artificial for it to exist with Maine. It's not necessarily artificial for it to exist with other branches. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, guy, uh, guy, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Um. So the other important thing that I actually put in bold in my show notes, so I'd remember to say it very clearly, you don't specify Git branch, you don't tell Git branch which local branch, right? So the local branch is the one you currently have checked out. So mm-hmm. for us to connect main to something, we need to be on main, which we are, so we're all good, right? It gets data shows that we're on branch main. So because of where we are, that's defining the local side of this connection, and that's why the only thing we're specifying is the remote. Okay. Right? I actually remembered to do a git status first so I'd know where we were. Look at me go, Indeed. girl. I'm sorry, not where we are, what we have checked out. Yes. Okay. So, if we now do git space branch space minus u space origin slash main, we are going to create that connection. Done? Okay, so now that we've created that connection, can we see that connection? Actually, sorry, I forgot I have to follow along my own show notes because I deleted (laughs) everything. So, uh, normally I'm already ahead of you, but I deleted everything to make sure my init script worked because I made a last minute change, which is always dangerous. Uh, so paste git branch. So now if we want to see that connection, so if we just type git branch, it would just list the branches, which isn't all that exciting, right? It just tells us there's a branch called main and it's currently checked out because it has a star next to it. Okay, but that doesn't tell me much. So you can say git branch minus vv for very verbose. Mm. And then it will tell you something much more useful. So it still tells us star main. So star means current branch. Main is the name of the branch we're on. Now it's telling us the hash, or the short hash of the most recent commit. And now in square brackets, it tells us which remote this branch is connected to. Oh, okay. It says origin main. Yeah. Okay. So now it's telling us that our main is tracking origin slash main. And then the last column is simply the the comment on commit B09 or B029D25. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so the other thing now, when you're used to doing a git status, and the only thing I'm used to git status telling you is whether or not you have anything to commit and what branch you're on. So you would expect it to say, on branch main, nothing to commit, comma, working tree clean. Do a git status now that we've linked the branch, now that we're tracking the branch. Okay. It says on branch main, your branch is up to date with origin slash main, nothing to commit, working tree clean. Right. So in the middle there, that's a sentence you've never seen before. Okay. Right. It knows that we're on a tracking branch. And so it's telling us our relationship to the branch we're tracking. If we had done some commits that we hadn't pushed, it would tell us that we are ahead of origin main. Ah. And if someone else had done some work and pushed it to origin main that wasn't us, it would tell us that we are behind origin main. Okay. So that tells us whether or not we have to push. Oh, sorry, whether or not we can push, right? Whether we choose to, that's our choice. But whether there is a possibility of pushing is going to tell us based on whether or not we are up to date with origin slash main. Right. So that extra piece of information is only possible because Git now knows that origin main and main are connected to each other. They are tracking. 
they were just completely disconnected. They happened to be the same if you had pushed, but they didn't know that they were the same. Okay, got it. Correct. Okay, so now let's um, look at the second scenario, which is that we make a branch locally, and then we publish it, for want of a better description, up to the remote. So the scenario here is that we we have a new branch and we want to publish it. And so the command for doing that is not git branch. Well, we could do it as multiple steps, right? We could do the work, we could push the branch, and then we could create the link. So we could do it as separate steps. But we don't have to do it separately. We can do it in one. Mm. So to prove that, we're actually going to make a new branch. We're actually going to do this as a worked example. So I have realized that my history of Hello Worlds is incomplete because I now program in PowerShell and have done for over at least a year. Oh my gosh. Uh, we need to fix that. language. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So let's make a new dev branch because we're good people who don't do our development work on main or ma- yeah, ma- main, not master, main. <laughs> oh, I'm tying myself in the nuts. So we make a new branch. Uh, and we check it out, which we know we can do in one step with the convenient minus B flag. So git space checkout space minus B dev dash PowerShell. So that's made a new branch named Parish, named dev dash PowerShell, and it's checked it out. All right. Now, if you open up the folder that, if you open up the, 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 the zip file, you will find that there was a folder in there named PBS114A-2. And inside that is an updated copy of index.html. Okay. If you can copy that into your working tree, then you will have the shiny update to the code. So that's the PBS114A-desktop. We're going to replace that. Yeah, and replace the next HTML with the other next HTML. Okay. So now if you do a git status, it should tell us that we're on branch dev-powershell. Changes not staged for commit. It says modified index.html. And there's nothing to commit yet because we haven't staged anything. So let's let's. But stage. Bart, it doesn't see. It doesn't know the branch it's connected to. There's no message right, it saying connected. it's it's not not tracking. Right, because there is no remote. There is a, there is an asymmetry. The right. branch exists here, but not there. Okay. So the first thing we have to do is make a commit here, so we actually have something to bother pushing. So let's just commit that. Commit git space commit space minus am. Sticking with our structured commit, so feet colon added PowerShell in 2022 Hello World History. Right, we hit commit. Okay. So we could now do a two-step process and say git space push space origin space dev dash PowerShell, which is what we learned last week, what to where. But really, what we act, and then, sorry, then once we've pushed it, we create the link. So we say git space branch space minus u origin dev PowerShell. We don't have to do it as two steps. Thankfully, git push takes the flag minus minus set minus upstream. Uh, or in fact, it also takes the minus u shortcut. So actually what we want to do is simply say git push minus u origin dev does PowerShell. And that will push that branch up to origin and start tracking it. So now if you do a git branch minus vv, you will see that we now have two branches. And the first one is the one with the star, because we currently have dev PowerShell checked out, and it is ma- it is tracking origin dev PowerShell. Right, right. 
Not all that exciting, but hey, there we go. <laughs> all right. Baby steps. So, baby steps. So we've now created the link. So what if we had another change to push? Well, now we get to see how easy that is, because it turns out by complete coincidence, I've made a mistake in my code. <laughs> I forgot to update the URL for PowerShell. If When you click the learn more button on the PowerShell uh, thingy in the carousel, it takes you to the Node.js documentation. Oopsie oh. daisies. Terrible. So again, you'll find the folder called PBS114A-3, which contains an updated copy of index.html. Copy that across onto your working tree. And then we can do another commit. All right. 13A to desktop. Okay. So we do a git space commit space minus am space fix colon corrected PowerShell URL. Then we hit enter. Now, at this point, if you have a GUI that you've fallen in love with, might be interesting to open it up and have a look at how things look now. Because we're now in a very common situation. So we have a tracking branch relationship, right? We've, we, we've added a remote, named it Origin. Uh, we have a local branch named Dev PowerShell that we're currently checked out on. And there's a remote branch called Dev PowerShell that we're tracking. But we are now one commit ahead of the remote. Because we've committed locally, but we have not pushed that change to the remote. Right. So on the command line, when you do a git status, you'll see that it says your branch is ahead of origin slash dev PowerShell by one commit. So that's oh, what it does right. in the okay. text GUI. Okay. But how does that look in the GUI GUI? In the, in the, how does that look in your favorite GUI? It doesn't matter which GUI it is. They're all going to show it the same way. I'm going to let you answer it because I don't understand what I'm seeing. Okay. Okay. So which, which client are you in? Just so that I know what I'm describing because um, they all do I, things. A little... I did get Kraken because it's your you favorite. You did get Kraken. Goody. That's the one I know best. Mm-hmm. So on the very left pane, Git Kraken lists all of your local branches and all of your remotes and all the branches that exist there. So you should see locally, you should have two branches called main and dev PowerShell. On the very left sidebar? Um, yes, under local, right? Yeah, so under local, you should see two branches, which mm-hmm. are the two branches we have. Mm-hmm. And then under remotes, you should see one remote named origin. And that remote should have two branches on it, named main and dev-powershell. You're, so you're talking about in the left sidebar, it says local yeah. and then dev-powershell and main, and dev-powershell is, is selected and has a check mark. Right, because that's where we are, right? When we right. do get status, it says on branch dev-powershell. So, so you're not and talking about the same sidebar. Okay, keep going. Okay. So in that same sidebar, the next thing down is the list of all the remotes that exist. Right which is just the one named origin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no. There's, and under origin, yes. it lists the remote branches. Yes. That exist Dev at PowerShell origin. And main. Okay. Which is Ready? Dev PowerShell and main. So that's telling you on the very left everything that your Git repository knows about. So it knows its own branches, and it knows about one remote, and it knows about the branches that exist on that remote. So that's what the very left sidebar is for. Okay. 
the middle bar is showing you a pretty picture of all the different commits and how they relate to each other and which commits exist on which branches. So there should now be two branches named dev PowerShell. Right. Because, and I would presume the one with the little computer next to it is the local one and the one with the, I don't know what that is, a compass center or something like that. That's the uh, origin. One of them will have your local icon, which may be uh, a Gravatar icon, and the other one will be the remote. Mm, nope. Nope. They both have my face next to them. What? Well, when you hover over one of them, it should tell you that it's the remote and one of them is the other. The one that's ahead is the local. The one that has one more commit on it is local. Okay. Uh, they both say Alice and Sheridan. So right, one of them is local. for fixed uh, PowerShell URL and one is for added the PowerShell into the 2020 Hello World. Right, because the local repository has one more commit than the other. Right. But they both have the my other- face and they both say Allison on them. Yeah, they're both on your local file system. So Git Kraken is being a little bit too clever there. By the way, just for, I was a little distracted when you went down this path because I opened uh, source tree at the same time and source tree for this same directory, uh, the same repo says your repository isn't properly configured. A remote repository's URL needs to match what's supported by your accounts. Please choose an option to resolve. I guess it doesn't like local file paths. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Just so people know, they may not see the same thing in these two different apps. Yeah, once we get onto reusing GitHub, that will go away because we'll be using HTTPS. Okay. Um. So the other thing you might notice, so when you did it on the terminal, it told you in English your branch is uh, one ahead of one commit ahead of um, origin. Right. It says yeah. that when you do a git status. Mm-hmm. Graphically, that same information is represented with a little one and an up arrow next to your local branch, telling you you have one commit that is pushable. Yeah. Um, just for people, if they are looking at Git Kraken, um, Bart sees the Git Kraken interface as being completely intuitive. Allison does not. Um, that that one is right. a wee tiny little number next to Dev PowerShell in the left sidebar, where my attention is immediately drawn to the giant graphical place out in the center. And there, you've got to you've got to pay attention to that left sidebar, and it's little tiny number, little tiny arrow, which has caused oh. massive confusion for me until last week when the penny finally dropped on that. Good. So, depending on the kind of person you are. You'll either find the number one easier to spot or the fact that the two dev PowerShells are not in line with each other. They are physically, they are not the same point in the graph. One of them is pointing at one commit and the other one is pointing at another commit. That tells you they're out of sync. Yeah, it doesn't tell me which one's on remote and which one's on origin, but... It would if we were using GitHub because one of them would have a GitHub icon and one of them would have a computer icon. These are both on our local computer because we're only okay. pretending one of them's remote. So that's why they both have the computer icon. It's an imperfect example. <laughs> um, Just so you know, on, on source tree, uh, I'm using the light theme and the one with the up arrow is black with white text and it's big. And and right. the branch you're on is, is uh, bold and completely different than main. So it draws your eye to it. Um, so that one, that one, catches my eye better than it did here. Now I know to go look there, but that was a, I was always looking at the middle instead of the left sidebar. 
Okay, so let's go back to the terminal now. But you keep that okay. keep cracking window open and watch it, right? We're not okay. going to use it to change anything. We're going to do everything by the command line, but Git Kraken will show you the changes, right? Okay. So because the branches are now tracking each other, all we have to do to push our changes is type git space push enter. Because we've already told it the uh, the tracking. Exactly. Okay. Alrighty. So now, if you do a git status on the command line, it'll tell you that you're back. Uh, you're back uh, up to date with origin slash dev dash PowerShell. Mm-hmm. And in the GUI, the one will have vanished, and the two copies of dev PowerShell will be on top of each other. So you'll have to hover the mouse over them to see that there's two of them. Yeah, I don't know that it. Yeah, it it did on uh, it did on Git Kraken. The one disappeared on both uh, GUIs, but I'm still seeing one ahead. On it hasn't refreshed itself. Then. Yeah, I don't on... know what you have to do to make it check the file system again. Yeah, it wants me to push again. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so source tree is not keeping itself quite as up to date. Git Kraken is it checking did. in more often. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we are now back in sync again. So we made a change and we pushed. So that is your basic workflow, right? Mm -hmm. Make some changes locally, push them up when you're done. So the next thing that we would normally do in our normal workflow is that we would, now that we're finished, we should merge our dev branch into our main branch. Ah, yes. Oh, by the way, command R, refresh in uh, in source tree. Sorted it. Aha. Okay. okay. That, that, is, that makes perfect sense. Okay. So digging deep down into our memory, we remember that in order to merge branches from the command line, you got to change, you got to check out the branch you want to merge into, and right. then you suck the other one in. So for us, that means... We need to check out main, and then we merge dev PowerShell into main, and then we push the now updated main to origin. So first command is git space checkout space main. So it'll say switch to branch main. Your branch is up to date with origin slash main. Then we're ready to do our merge. So we say git space merge space dev dash PowerShell. Dum, 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 dum. Fast forwarding, one file change, date insertions. Ta-da. Now we can push. So right now, this second, before you do the push, if you open uh, Git Kraken again, you'll uh -huh. see that you now have two mains. Uh, no, I don't. Well, I, I mean, I still have a main on local and a main on, on origin, but I see main right. and, and dev you... PowerShell sitting right on top of each other. I don't have two mains. I have one uh, Have of you each. done the merge yet? Yes. Merge dev dash PowerShell. Said updating B029D25, fast forward, index HTML, one file change, date insertions, and it shows okay. me. So if I hover over it in the in the middle section, I see main and dev PowerShell. And main has a check mark next to it because I'm that's what I have checked out. And there isn't a second main one behind? I wonder did something no. do a push automatically. Because I would have expected them not to be in line until you did the git push, at which point it would push main to main. I'm I'm just 
pushing the buttons you tell me to push, Bart. That's what happened. Okay, Dad. No, I. One of the clients has tried to be too clever by half. Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm only looking at get cracking right now. But um, yeah, but that doesn't mean nothing happened automatically behind our backs. Um, maybe this idea of showing you the GUI at the same time was a bad idea. Um, anyway, the next command on the command line is git push. Okay. And it should just push main to main. I've I've been using git kraken for quite a while, and the only time I ever saw two mains was last time we I did the show notes. So I know that's what you were trying to demonstrate, but I've never seen it before. That's the first time I've ever seen it. It should always happen whenever you're behind or ahead on commits. If you need to push or pull, there will always be two. Never saw it before. Yeah, keep an eye. Keep an eye. You'll start to see it all the time now that you know to look for it. I never saw any Teslas before. Now I see them everywhere. Well, I know that I haven't seen it before because uh, when I go to push the show notes... Normally, I drag the one of the things Bart has showed me in the GUI that you guys haven't heard about is I drag the uh, branch onto main and the whip branch onto main. And that's how it, it it fast forwards it and everything. And last time I went to go do it for the first time, there were two mains and I didn't know which one to pull it to. So I don't think I normally see it. I don't know if my system is magic and doesn't do that, but uh, that's not what I've seen. We'll I see. Think there's a dear, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, keep an eye now that you know what to look for, because there should always be two when you're out of sync. Hmm. That's what it means to be out of sync. So uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, if I'm only looking at local, then why would I have an out of sync main? There's only one main. There's there's the new branch Wait. and there's the brand the main branch. Right, but there's a remote. There's always okay. So at all points in time, you have had a remote GitHub. Mm-hmm. So there have always been two repositories. Yeah. There have always been two mains because GitHub has a main. GitHub has always had a main and GitHub always will have a main. So there has always been two mains. Right. But that's sitting down under remote. It's not in that middle area where the whole list of all the branches are. It, it always is. But usually, when everything's in sync, the two mains are on top of each other. And unless you hover over it, you won't see there's two. It'll have two icons next to it, but it'll have one label in Git Kraken. So if you hover over it, it'll split itself into two. Hmm. I'm just looking at some other code of mine, the stuff I was working on my clock earlier, and there's there's only one master. Okay, but I have no uh, idea. I may have pushed recently, though, so maybe not. Okay. All right. Well, I will keep an eye out for it. When I do these show notes, I will yes. let you know if I see two mains again. There, there will be there, there. There always are whenever there's something to be pushed or pulled because there are different places on the tree, right? One of the remote main is at a different commit to the local main, so the two labels have to be pointing at different points on the graph. So there could be two of any branch, not just are, main. Any branch that are tracking will be two of. They may be on top of each other, but there are two of them. Hmm. If they're completely in sync, they're both pointing at the same commit. Okay. And so Git Kraken will draw them as one label with two icons. Okay. But the moment one of them either needs pushing or pulling, they split because the remote is either ahead or behind. So it's somewhere hmm. else in the graph, right? Hmm. Keep okay. an eye. Watch them. Yeah, yeah watch them. Yeah, that, that's what's going on, right? Okay. And it's a graphic representation of what Git status tells you, which is either that you are up to date, ahead, or behind. Now, so we've now covered committing pretty thoroughly 
right? We made it, we made a new branch. We did a commit. We pushed. We did another commit. We pushed. We changed back to our main branch. We did a merge and we pushed. So we're pretty good on the branching now. What we haven't done yet in this new world of remotes is tagging. So last time we made a tag and then we manually pushed the tag. But really, what we'd like to happen is that we make a tag locally and then magically, without us having to think about it, it just goes up to the remote. That's, you know, that's what we want, right? Right. So there is a way to do it automatically, but it comes with um, a caveat we'll get to in a moment. But let's let's do this as a worked example again. So for reasons that are about to become obvious, we're going to do an annotated tag, which may be deep down in your memory, so I'll, I'll remind you. When you make a tag, you have two choices. You can make a really simple tag, which is called an unannotated tag, and that only has a name. It's basically a post-it note, right? It just, <laughs> just has a name. Or you can use the minus M flag to give it a name and a message, or a description, oh. for want of a better term. So the the if format it ha- of it looks very much like uh, when you're doing a commit. Correct. Okay. So in this case, it's git space, tag space, name of tag space, minus M space, the message. And that message is the annotation, hence the annotated tag. So in this case, we're saying git space, tag space, v2.10.0, minus M, feet, colon, added PowerShell to the Hello World history. Okay. So as we learned last time, we can definitely do the push manually by saying git space push space origin space v2.10.0. So git push what to where. That's an awful lot of bother, right? <laughs> and as my personality profile said, I prefer economy of effort, which is my favorite way of saying Bart's a lazy sod. <laughs> um, so the key to this is the wonderful tag, minus, the wonderful flag minus minus follow minus tags which will automatically push some tags. But usually, if you pick up some good habits, it's exactly the ones you want and not the ones you don't. But let's let's make that jump a little bit higher for you. So there are two caveats to minus minus follow minus tags. Only annotated tags get pushed. So from now on, if you're doing something that's important enough to be published up to origin, you need to annotate it. And if you're just leaving a note to self that you don't want pushed up to the origin, don't annotate it. Hmm. So that becomes a new dividing line. So unannotated tags are for notes to self and annotated tags are for stuff that actually gets published. And then the second caveat is that when you do a git push with minus minus follow tags, it's not going to check your entire repository. It's going to check the current branch. And it's going to publish the tags on the current branch, not every tag everywhere. So without this but, minus minus follow tags at all there, it's not going to, mm-hmm. the tags won't show up on the, the remote at all? Unless you manually push each tag one by one. Oh, hmm. Okay. Which you could do, right? No reason you couldn't do it, but are you going to remember? Because I'm not. Hmm. So we could give ourselves the new habit of typing git space push space minus minus follow minus tags. But I just told you that the whole point of today's exercise is that git push becomes literally git space push. And now I've just told you to stick minus minus follow minus tags on the end. That's ugly. 
Mm-hmm. And that sounds like I've sort of cheated you a bit here. Well, thankfully, Git provides us the solution to this problem. So we learned way, way, way back at the start of Git that Git has config variables that can be used to change its behavior. And we learned to set a variable to give our name and our email address. Well, there's a variable we can set called push.followTags. And if we set that to true, then it will assume you always want to follow tags. It's as if you typed that flag, even though you didn't. Okay. And if you ever wanted to pretend you... I was just going to say, and so, uh, again, only annotated tags is what will happen. Correct. Correct. Because it is literally as if you typed that minus minus follow minus tags. It will behave exactly the same way. So you can set settings either on a per repository basis or a per account basis. So if you want to do it on only the repository, you would say git space config space minus minus local space push dot follow tags space true. And that means that this behavior only applies to this one repository. Or you could do what I do and apply the setting at your account level, at the operating system level, basically. So git space config space minus minus global space push dot follow tags space true. So you just... Type that in the terminal while you're anywhere in that repo? Huh. Well, the first one, you have to be in the repo. The second one, you can be anywhere in your operating system. Huh. Right? Because you're setting it minus minus global means apply this to my account. It actually goes into tilde slash dot git config. Oh, wow. If you want to go poke around in the terminal and see it. Okay, I'm just going to do it So local. that's another file for you to back up in your mind map, by the way, every time you can pave. Yeah. So now that we've done this, and I don't care, you know, whichever one you've done, it doesn't really matter. As long as you've done at least one of those two, now if we type git push, you will see it push the tag. Okay, so how will I I know? It'll tell you. Oh, okay. Ah, new tag. There we go. And you did it all by itself with our nice short git push. So the last thing we want to do then is to clean up after ourselves, right? So we've gone through the entire life cycle of a development branch. We we made a new branch. We did our work. We merged it in. We tagged the resulting commit to say that this is a new version of our shiny new product. Well, the next step in our normal workflow was to delete the branch, the dev branch, because it's now useless, right? It's done its work. We've done our dev. We're finished. So... We can delete the local branch easy enough, git space branch space minus d space dev PowerShell. Mm-hmm. But what about the remote branch? Well, for reasons that I think are probably correct, even if it makes me mildly cranky, git will never automatically delete a remote branch. Oh, you are forever even going we deleted to have to... it locally and we're saying just push up all my changes, it says, nope, not going to do it. Yeah, it refuses to be destructive in that kind of a way. So because it's a destructive command, it does it will not do it automatically. If you want to delete, well, you're just going to have to be explicit about it. So I'm afraid to say deleting is always going to be a two-step process. Okay. And the way you delete a remote branch is with the git push command. <laughs> of course it is. So you say git space push space name of remote minus minus delete and then the name of the branch. So to delete the local branch, we simply git space branch space minus d space dev PowerShell. And to delete the remote branch, it's git space 
push space origin space minus minus delete dev PowerShell. Okay. That makes sense, though. Go. You know, I know it, that like I save you, sure? you from yourself. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? So yeah, I understand that even if it makes me mildly cranky. Even the and and even though tags are, oh, this is a whole branch, not just a tag. It's a whole branch. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. Even though I mean, I okay. would never make a mistake doing it. So. <laughs> so we have now very successfully done an entire realistic piece of work in our two repo setup, right? Our lone developer with one desktop and one backup sitting on the NAS, right? We made a new branch. We used it to develop a new feature. We merged the feature in, we tagged it, and then we deleted our development branch. And at all points in time, we mirrored everything we did up to the NAS. Mm -hmm. So that is, I hope you'll agree, a full cycle of a piece of work. Yep. So we are now ready to add the complication of a second computer into the mix. We are now ready to add our laptop into the game. We're going to just pretend, of course. So we're going to make a new repository called PBS1148-laptop. Very imaginative okay. of me. And we're going to pop it in the same folder because magic, right? Just, uh, just... At the PBS114 level. At the PBS114 level, yeah. Okay, so we got to go up one at least. Exactly. So. We're going to create this new repository in the actually genuinely realistic way that you do create a new repository normally, which is you clone from the authoritative copy. You clone from the one you have decided is your primary. I have been avoiding cloning because cloning is cool. <laughs> and cloning automates a whole bunch of stuff. So let us now actually do a clone, and then we can see what all it did for us. So the command to clone is git space clone space a URL space the folder to clone into. So for us, what that's going to mean is that we would like to clone pbs1148-nas.git. And we want we to want the authoritative new... source. We don't want to take desktop. Correct. And we want to make a new repository called pbs1148-laptop. So for us, the command will be git space clone space pbs1148-nas.git space pbs1148-laptop. And so if we hit enter on that, it will create a new repository for us. Got it? Now, I will make one note here. That last argument, the name of the folder, that's optional. What If you leave that off, what it will do is it will make a new folder in the current directory with the same name as the one you're cloning from. So if you're cloning from GitHub, that's a really good default, right? Because when you clone PBS from GitHub, you get a local folder called PBS. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Right. But in this case, I don't want my local copy called PBS1048-NAS because, well, that would be very confusing. So in this case, because I want the local name to be different, I have to give the two arguments. Right. But normally they would all be uh, the one on the laptop, the one on the desktop, and the one on the uh, the NAS would all be the same. They would all have the same they name. Yeah. We're being yeah. a bit artificial here. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let yeah. So let's CD into our new repo. So CD space PBS1048-laptop. So now we're in our whole new repo. So what has Clone done for us? Well, the obvious thing it's done is it's brought over 
all of our commits, all of our tags, and all of our branches, which at the moment is one. But if there were more, it would have brought them over too. So I can prove this to you by having the by using the git log command. And just to make the output actually human legible, we're going to pass it the minus minus one line flag so that every entry is only one line long. And we're also going to use the minus minus no minus pager flag so it doesn't run it all through less so that we have to keep hitting the space bar. So if you just type git space minus minus no minus pager space log space minus minus one line, it will spit out everything that repository now knows about that we just cloned. Right, we created it with one command, git clone. And look, it has it has our main branch, it has the tag v210, it has the tag v29, 28, 27, 26. It has all of our commits. It's that that's everything it's we've the been history. doing. Yeah. It's there a it full is. history, right? So we got a complete copy of everything when we did that clone. We didn't just get like one branch or whatever, right? We just got absolutely everything by cloning. So that's the first cool thing it does. You know, I, I've wait. cloned using buttons on in the GUI, and it never was as magical as it feels right now. That really, that really does go. Wow, that just did it. Yeah. Okay. But wait, there's more, as TV would tell <laughs> us. So not only did it take all of the commits, all of the branches, and all of the tags, it also automatically created a remote for us to connect this new clone to the original. And it named that remote Origin, which is where that convention comes from. Mm. So if we type git remote, it will just show us Origin. But let's actually see what it is. We'll do git remote space minus V for verbose. And it will actually tell us that the remote Origin points to the folder pbs114a-nas.git. So it lists it twice, once with fetch and once with push. That must mean sometimes that can be different? It's some... Asymmetric. Yes, it is. It's okay if you don't want to tell us about it. <laughs> it just seems odd. No, no, it's a legacy left over from the old way of doing things. And nowadays, you are almost never going to see a different fetch and push. What you might see is only one. If you have read-only access to a repository, your remote oh. will be fetch and not push. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So for a lot of open source projects, you can anyone on the planet can fetch them, but not everyone gets to push the Linux kernel. Right, right. Which is probably a good thing. <laughs> I would think so. Do, um, let me ask you, are my branches mm-hmm. uh, tracking automatically? Ah, well, I'm about to show you that. Yes, they are. Okay. If you, if you do a git status, it says, on branch main, your branch is up to date with origin slash main. Oh, good. So I don't have to do that nonsense again. (laughs) You don't have to do that nonsense again. This is why in the real world, you just clone, right? You go to GitHub, you say, make new repository, and then you click the button in GitHub that says clone, and it will give you the URL. And then you go git space clone space copy paste space new name if you want a different name or just hit enter. And it will clone everything from GitHub with the same name as the GitHub repository. It will map your branches it will cre- it create the remote called upstream or called origin we'll just do it all for you so That's i want to explain a a really mind-blowing thing that i learned about doing this uh just today i was uh chatting with um with helma about 
I'm doing some major refactoring of my my clock. I will never stop working on this clock, apparently, but I'm doing this major refactoring, and I I I can't remember what it used to look like because I've I've changed it so much. And I have a released branch, and I was like, I asked her. I said, "How do you have a copy of the old one and the new one at the same time if you could only check out one branch at a time?" And she said, "Well, just create another directory on your Mac and clone the uh, clone it again and set it to the other branch or to the other to the release." So now I can open that one in the release version and open the one I'm working on. I'm going to open the released one in a completely different client so it doesn't it looks completely foreign. So I never type in that because I don't want to wreck that one. Uh, but then that'll allow me to see them both at the same time. And that's something I've wanted for like a year and a half. And it just occurred to me to ask, well, how does everybody else do that? Yeah, just tone it twice. I've been you know, like, many commenting out like. all the old code, so now my code is like 11 million lines long because it's got all this garbage in there that I'm not using anymore and that I can't remember which I can get rid of, and it's panic-driven. So this is going to be much better. Good, good. And different, yeah, you know, and as you get used to branching out for different features and stuff, and yeah, it's, yeah, you can have all the copies you like, which is great. So... That's where we're going to draw a line under it today. So we have now successfully cloned to our laptop, and that clone has given us for free the remote called Origin, and it's tracking our branch for us too. So we are now ready to move next time into a two-computer workflow. We're going to do some work on our pretend desktop, and then pretend to have to go somewhere, and then pretend to pick up where we left off on our pretend laptop. Do some more work, and then pretend switch back to our pretend desktop. Well, in other words, we're going to be pushing and pulling a lot. Literally, what I was trying to do today. Yeah, because yes, I've got a Mac the most common thing to want to do. Right, and, and, that is fact, what Git is for. The funny part is, all of it's sitting on my desk. It's just as artificial as what we have here, because I've got a Mac Mini and my MacBook Pro sitting side by side. But I wanted to work on the M1 on the Mac Mini, so I just moved my monitor and my dock and everything over to that one, and I wanted to be able to switch back and forth, so this is exactly what I need to know how to do. Excellent. Yeah, so as I say, we are we really are getting to the um, to the real nuts and bolts of Git now, right? The, the, this is this is Git for reals. This this is actually becoming a real-world scenario now. So we've... Very cool. Well, a long look, time getting here. Looking here at the clock, I think it was the right decision to split it in half. Plus, good news, you don't have to do as much work for two weeks from now. You're half done. Indeed. Well, about a quarter, but yeah. I have a significant <laughs> amount of work done. And what's more important, I know where I'm going. Because that's always yeah. the hard part. I very often get to like Thursday and I'm still going, I wonder what I'll do for Saturday. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun. This is, this is interesting stuff. Excellent. Well, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.